be continuing our, our three-week series on rest this morning, and uh, I'm excited about what God wants to share with us today. Um, sorry, it's a little echoey. Is it echoey out there? We're good. Um, our theme vo- verse for this entire series, with, which I hope you will read with me right now, is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. The burden I give you is light. So that to me says that there's other burdens that are placed on us, right? There's the burdens of the world and they are not easy and they are not light. And, and, and we will take those burdens that are not easy and that are not light, and we will refuse Jesus' burden that is easy and light, which is found in rest. And what I love about rest, and all aspects of it, the whole point of rest is to lead us to Jesus. All of it is to draw us closer to Jesus, and he does that through rest. When, when, when God talks about resting on the Sabbath, when he commands it in Exodus, when Jesus says it right here in Matthew 11, when he comes back, that one day when he will come back, all of it is rest and all of it points and leads us to him. The point of rest, y'all, is to lead us to Jesus. And so this invitation that he gives is quite literal. Come to me, come to me and you will find rest. This invitation of rest is drawing you to me because you will not find it anywhere else. The burden that I give you is easy. The burden I give you is light. But the other burdens that are put on you are not. So stop going to those places. Instead, come to me. Last week, we talked about rest being a gift. Today, we're going to continue the conversation about another quality of rest. And we're going to base it out of Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. Everyone say completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So the second point that we're making, the second, the second uh, topic for this series, is that rest is holy. God has declared it in Genesis chapter 2, a holy thing. It says that he blesses it. And then he declares it holy, which is this interesting little uh, deal of what God does here. Because to bless something is to put something on it. Like God, he, he says it is good. He blesses it, right? That it is going to be a good thing. But then at the same time and in the same sentence, he says, I'm going to make it holy, which means to separate it, to be set apart from everything else. And he does both of those things. Now, it's important to understand what is going on here. Because in the previous chapter, Genesis chapter 1... We see who God is right off the bat. The very first verse of the entire Bible tells us that God is a doer, right? In the beginning, God created, all right? So he, what we know about him right off the bat is he is a doer. He works. And what we need to understand is that work is a good thing. All right, in Genesis chapter 1, he goes through each day and we see that God is doing things, right? He is creating He spoke light into existence. 
He, he separates light from darkness, right? He, he gives us the sky and the moon and the, and the sun and the stars. He gives us animals and vegetation. He creates us. And in all of those days, he says, it is good, right? And so it's wrong to think that work is bad because then God would be contradicting himself. No, he calls his work good. He blesses the work that he has done. But this is, this is what is so awesome. Genesis 1 is, is, the, is the working days. It's days 1 through 6. But then we turn the page to chapter 2, and that is where we find the seventh day. God doesn't even associate by chapters the seventh day with the other days. There is a clear distinction between days 1 through 6 and the work that he does, which is good, versus the seventh day, which is good, but it is also holy. The work is good. The rest is holy. Y'all, if we're being honest with ourselves, we let the work be holy and the rest be good. All right? We put all this effort and all this stuff into the work that we do, our time, our energy, our stresses, our prayers, and we forget about the rest. Oh, and that's convenient, then I'll rest. Yeah, it's good, but it's really not for today. And God's saying, no, the rest is what is holy. The work, yeah, it's good. But the rest is set apart. Y'all, we got it backwards. In the world that we live in, in the life that we lead, if we're really being honest with ourselves, a lot of the time it's all about the work. And we view the work as holy. We view the bank account as holy. We view the title as holy. We view all that stuff as holy, and we forget about the rest. God is saying, no, 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 no. The rest is holy. Why is it holy? Why is the rest holy? Because it's in our rest that we find who we are in God. It is in the rest that we draw closer to him. It is in the rest that we truly find our identity. And our identity is that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. Listen to this, what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Verse 12, and we have received God's spirit, parentheses, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's word to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Listen, the Spirit of God has given us all sorts of amazing things. We've experienced it already this morning in our worship. Worship is a gift of the Spirit. Prayer is a gift of the Spirit. Forgiveness, healing, fellowship, all these things are gifts of the Spirit. And we love to dive into those things, right? We love worship. We love prayer. We love getting around with other people. Most of us do at least, right? Some of us need to work on it a little bit more. But it's like then when it comes to rest, this amazing holy gift that God has given us, we're like, no, nah, I'm good. But listen, here's a rule of thumb, y'all. If God has declared something holy and then gives it to us, we need to receive it. And not just reluctantly, not just a little bit, but we need to wrap our arms around it. We need to bathe in it. We need to soak in it. We need to never let it go in our lives. Instead of looking at it and say, well, when it's convenient, then I'll experience this holy thing that God has created. I mean, how backwards is that? 
Let's go back to the story of creation in Genesis 1 and 2. I heard, I heard this the other day about Genesis 1, and I love this. It's so true. Genesis 1 is not a lab report on how the world was created. The purpose of Genesis 1 is not to tell us how the world was created. It isn't. Because if we're really reading it, it doesn't tell us how the world was created. Right? Let there be light and there was light. Okay, cool, but like, but like how? No, like how did you do that, God? How did you create these animals? How did you create man? I know it says that you did. If it was really about that, it would take a lot more than one chapter in the opening uh, book of the Bible to tell us how God did it. The point is not for him to tell us how he did it. The point is to tell us that he did it, but not how. The purpose is why. The purpose of Genesis 1 is to tell us who we are in his creation. Who we are according to him. And what we need to do in order to understand that is to consider who the audience is for Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Who the first audience is for Genesis 1 and 2. And that audience is the Israelites who have just come out of Egypt. And they're out in the wilderness. They're at Mount Sinai. And they're hearing this story for the first time. And this is not a bedtime story that is being told to them so they can sleep good at night. Right? This is a story that greatly identifies who they are. Because the Israelites have just come out of Egypt, where they were slaves. They were enslaved there. They were not free. They didn't choose to be there. They were enslaved there by the Egyptians. And they had a job to do. Their job was to be brick makers. That was what they were told to do. They didn't choose it. That's what they were told to do. And the more bricks that they made, the more value they had, the more worth they had. The less bricks that they made, the less value they had, the less worth that they had. The Egyptians didn't ask them how their day was going. They didn't ask them what their favorite color was or what their hobbies were, or what food they liked the most or anything like that that actually makes us who we are as people, right? Their only value is what they could produce for the land that they were living in, who they were enslaved to, the Egyptians. That was it. The second that they stopped being able to produce bricks, they were no longer of use to the Egyptians, and they were probably arrested, thrown in jail, or put in some other thing that was even more degrading than making bricks. But that was their identity. That was their worth. That was how they were known to those above them. And then all of a sudden, God frees them. They're out in the wilderness, and he has this story to tell them that there are six days of work that God did that he called good, but on the seventh day, he rested. And he declared it to be holy because the work was complete. The work was done. The work is still done. He even said it was, it was finished on the seventh day. It is finished. Where does that sound familiar? Jesus on the cross, about to die for our sins, taking all of that sin on him, that burden of sin and death. He puts on him and he, he says those words, it is finished. It is finished. You can rest. You cannot add a single thing to the cross that Jesus has already accomplished. God's creation is a completed work. Our salvation 
through Jesus is a completed work. We can rest. Our value, just like the Israelites in the wilderness, is not based on what we can produce for the kingdom. God has freed us from that. Our obligation is to worship him. Like we just sang, you're worthy of our praise, so we worship you. And then through that, we are allowed to be part of the kingdom. To not build bricks, but to be the bricks of the kingdom. And so these Israelites are hearing this, and they're saying, wait a second, I don't understand. As a slave, if we rested, we were done. I'm saying, yeah, well, you're free now. I don't look at you and ask, what can you do for me? Because the work's completed. I don't need bricks from you. I want your heart. I want a relationship with you. Let me tell you all something. We get so wrapped up in titles here. I mean, when I was growing up, a garbage man was a garbage man. Now it's like sanitation, engineer, expert. You got like a master's degree or something, right? Because we need the title. We need the title. Whatever your title is. Listen, here's the thing about titles. The, the, the purpose of a title is to hold us accountable. Right? It's to hold us accountable, not to identify who we are. My title is lead pastor. I have an accountability to that title, where my job is to lead this church, to pastor this church, to pray to the Lord for vision for this church, and then to see it executed through our amazing staff that we have here. But that doesn't mean that God loves me more because that's my title. He does not love me more because that is what he has called me to do. It is my accountability to see that through, but his love is engaged on that. If we start basing who we are off of the title that we have, you might as well just call yourself a brick maker. Because you're enslaved to the title. You're enslaved to producing something that doesn't need to be produced. The work is complete. CEO, president, whatever it might be, brick maker. Brick maker. I hate to, I hate to spoil it to you. God does not see you in those ways. He sees you as a son and daughter. And he wants to tell you, stop and rest. We're going to talk about this next week, but we'll see. The, the Israelites, they, they can't. They have a hard time. It's so ingrained in them, this worldly spirit that they have grown up in, that I can't rest, i got to produce. But what did we read? What did Paul say? We didn't receive the worldly spirit. We received the Holy Spirit. And we receive this holy gift of rest, and we need to do it because it's in those moments of rest. It's in those times where when we stop and we trust God to produce the things in our lives for us, that all of a sudden we remember who he is in our lives. But if we're just doing, 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 going, 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 putting all of our value in what we can produce, what our title is, what we are, and all those things, and now we've become our own God. And we're an idol to ourselves. And here's how I know that God doesn't care about titles. You might say, all right, maybe he doesn't. I'm going to prove it to you right now. <laughs> Matthew chapter 19, one of my favorite little moments that Jesus has in the entire Bible. Starting in verse 16, someone came to Jesus with this question, teacher, 
What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Listen to Jesus' words here. Verse 21, Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. I love Jesus' little, little, not a dig, but just he's really getting to the root of things here in verse 21. Oh, you want to be perfect. That's what you're saying. You, you don't want me. You, you want to be perfect. You want that title. Okay, you really want to be perfect? Get rid of all of it. Get rid of it all. The Bible calls this guy in the Bible, it doesn't say by name, by the way, calls him the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. Literally, like the three things the world tells us to strive for. Isn't that crazy? Rich, right? Make money, money, make money, 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 right? Got to have that quiche. I love that. Everyone's saying that word. You can all say it, quiche. Yeah. I'm still relevant. I'm still cool and hip. I use all that jab language that the little kids are using. Right? We had spiritual awareness. We got hung out with them, learned a few new words. Mostly good. But that's what the world says. You have to make, 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 make. You've got to produce, produce, produce. Bricks, 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 bricks. Young. Got to stay young. Anti-aging cream. Right? Do whatever it takes. So I'm right there with you. That's why I work into every conversation that I've run a marathon. Because I'll always be young. Ruler. Got to be the boss, right? Got to have that title. Rich young ruler. Jesus says, get rid of all of it. You know why? Because you're never going to have enough money. You can buy and buy and get and get, and it all rusts. It all goes old. The amazing jeans won't fit one day. Then you'll lose the new car smell. All of those things that money affords us here, is, it's fleeting. I hate to break it to you, but we're all going to get old. And I'm not going to go any further based on our honor brunch uh, announcement earlier. <laughs> Not touching that one. Thank you. I'm learning. We're all going to get old if we're even fortunate enough to. And there will always be, in terms of ruler, someone better than us at what we do. I pray that the next pastor after me is a thousand times better than me. I want that for this place. But rich young ruler, it's, it's literally what the world tells us to be. And God's saying, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. I want your heart. And in order for us to give him our heart fully, 
We have to rest. It is not a suggestion. It is not a hint. We rest. We stop. And we allow God to remind us who we are in him. Matthew chapter 12. So right after Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, the next verse, you turn the page to the next chapter. After Jesus says, come to me, come to me, come to me, I'll give you rest. It says this, at about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. The timing of this is not lost on Jesus at all. He knows exactly what he is doing. He says to the Jewish people, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Come to me and you will find rest. And then at about that time, he and his disciples are walking through the grain fields, taking the grain and eating it, which is unlawful according to the Pharisees and the church. Jesus is making a point here. And I believe it's a premeditated point. It's like, I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to prove to you that my burden is light. All right? I'm going to prove to you that when I say come and you will find rest, that you will find rest. Let's go for a walk, guys. What do you say? Yeah, if you're hungry, go ahead and have some of that. When he says take my yoke upon me, or, uh, take my yoke upon you, he is literally comparing the Jews to beasts of burden oxen and donkeys and all those that out there that, that were out in the fields and pulled the plows and all those things. He's saying that's what you're like. You're enslaved. You're making bricks. The problem is you're not in Egypt anymore. The problem is it's the church that has enslaved you through religion. Religion has enslaved you just as much as the Israelites back in the day in Egypt. The church has become all about making bricks, and I'm here to tell you it's not about that. It's not about following rules to justify your salvation or where you are at in church. And I believe that there are many of us in here who are white-knuckling the Bible, trying to get some morsel of truth out of it, trying and trying and trying to prove ourselves to Jesus, trying to prove that we're a Christian or this or that. When we come to church and we lift our hands, we're not feeling anything at all. And we're wondering what is going on. And let me tell you all, a lot of it is because you're making bricks. You're making bricks to try and earn your place with Jesus. He's saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. If you would just rest in me. Don't be enslaved by religion. The Pharisees had, had flipped the Sabbath, this day that was that God had declared in Genesis 1 to be blessed and holy. He declared it to be holy. They made it about them. And that's why Jesus says the Son of Man is, is, is Lord over the Sabbath. Sabbath, rest is to bless us. It is not to 
torture us or enslave us in any way. It's to remind us that we are God's people. We are free from all those burdens of having to do, 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 and go, go, go. Whether in the world or in the church, it can happen in here. And if you're new to Beaches Chapel or if you need reminding, let me tell you something. We are a church that is built on the grace of God. It is by grace that we are saved through Jesus Christ on the cross. Nothing else. We boast in him, not in ourselves. That's it. And we worship him. And through rest, through worship, through following Jesus, then we grow. And we don't white-knuckle scripture. We embrace it. Man, I really pray and, and hope that some of you in here will take this word to heart and the striving would cease. I just feel it. I feel it. That there's just this, I gotta do for God. I gotta make this brick. If I don't make this brick, then he's gonna love me less. If I don't do this, then whatever. Y'all, stop. Stop that. That's not the Lord. It's something you need to be released of that. That's, I don't know, it's the word from the Lord, but you need to stop. Be released of that in Jesus' name. Whoever that's for, he's not interested in your bricks. He wants your heart. I have the band come back up. We're going to close with some worship this morning. But I have some homework again for you. And I'm going to read John 15 first, verses 15 through 16. This is what Jesus says. I no longer call you slaves. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Just like rest, that seventh day, that Sabbath day, was holy and set apart. That's what God says about us. We are set apart. He chose us. He chose you. And he calls you his friend. The second that we receive Jesus, and we, and we ask him into our heart to be Lord of our lives, and we receive that gift of salvation, we can then rest in him. We have nothing to prove. We have nothing to prove. He knows you. Creation is complete. The sacrifice is complete. And yes, one day Jesus is going to come back and it will all be complete. Last week, your homework was to get away. Get alone with the Lord. Be honest with him. Draw away from the busyness of the day to hopefully start your day or end your day if you're a night owl with you and the Lord. I hope you did that. It was a little hard this week with our tropical storm that came through, maybe threw us out of routine. Or maybe you're sitting here and go, ah, I didn't even once. It's okay. Start today. It wasn't a one-week thing, by the way. <laughs> Start again. Here's the homework for this week. Go have fun. Go have fun with your spouse, with your kids. You know that thing that you, you say, oh, we've been meaning to do this. Wouldn't that be fun if we did this? Go 
do it. Go do it. I mean it. Listen, the joy of the Lord is our strength, y'all. If the church can't have fun, like, come on, what we, we're missing something. And it's okay. The chores will wait. You will survive. Your house will not crumble. If you take a day, say, let's go have fun. And if you've been going, 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 and especially if you have kids, you don't have to do something major or epic with them. Go for a walk on the beach, right? Go throw the ball, something, whatever. Just spend time with them. Remember what it was like, why you wanted to have a family in the first place. Whatever it might be, I'm serious. As your pastor, I am pastoring you to go have fun this week. Do something. On your, on your way home, if you, if you, you came with family or, or your spouse, talk about what you want to do. Go do something fun and enjoy it. Enjoy it. But if you've been walking around, obsessing over your title, burdened by religion, you've just been making bricks, brick after brick after brick. consumed with the ways of the world and the spirit of the world and we've forgotten about you, Lord, bring us back and thank you for this moment that you're, you're doing that, Lord. God, that through rest we would know you again. We would laugh again. That the striving would cease. Lord, that in the rest we would remember that this burden that we've been carrying, the stress and anxiety that we've been carrying does not belong to us and we can turn it over to you. God, I pray for marriages in here, Jesus. That those that have been so busy going and doing would remember each other. God, that into doing the fun, 
that it would bless their marriage. Lord, for those with families, God, that you would bring laughter back into the homes through rest. God, that you would just reignite that that family heart to those that need it. To those that are sinners, and we haven't felt like a family in a long time. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that through fun and rest and trusting in you that that would return. The heartbeat of the family would return through you. God, for those that maybe are alone or by themselves, getting to church by themselves, go home to themselves. God, that you would bring joy this week. They would know that they're not alone and they got a big old church family that's ready to hang out with them and do something fun. Whatever that might be. But God, I pray that we would really take this to heart. This isn't like something light or like a joke. This is real. I don't believe, Jesus, at all that all the time that you spent with your disciples traveling from town to town, there was not laughter around the campfire at night. There was not joy in that group. God, remind us that following you is fun. It's, it's amazing. It is not a heavy burden. that don't know you that have been building their own bricks of salvation trying to earn it God, right now I just pray that they would stop and they would receive the work that was finished on the cross that came out of your mouth it is finished and they would receive the gift of salvation now if that's you this morning if, you, if you're watching online you're in this room you've never received Jesus you've been trying to do it yourself enslaved by religion and rules all you have to do is say Lord I believe 